This past June, residents of Manhattan Beach, California, crammed into a city council meeting. Two nights ago was the first time I seen it right in front of me. I saw posters and we think we saw your precious cat on our lawn bleeding and dead. And this better if this community was in the mountains or foothills, but this is the beach for God's sake. They were upset because wild coyotes were terrorizing them and killing their pets. To deny that this apex predator is here, living, breeding, and attacking pets is uninformed. It's a story as old as the American West, man versus beast with humans embarking on wide-scale termination projects like the slaughter of buffaloes on the Great Plains during the late 1800s or the extinction of the California grizzly bear in the early 1900s and too many other examples to name. And yet, the coyote survives. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Friday, October 21st, 2022. Today, the war on Southern California's urban coyotes is fiercer than ever. But can humans ever really win? My colleague, Louis Ahagan, has been covering this battle. Louis, welcome to The Times. Hey, thank you for having me. So, Louis, I know you've covered environmental stories for years, but how did you get on covering coyotes in the suburbs? Well, actually, I was drawn into this coyote uproar some years ago when coyotes were marauding small pets at Leisure World in uh, Seal Beach. And those elderly residents were just scared to death. In Manhattan Beach, it flared up again, big time, in June. All right, thank you. Welcome, everyone, to your city council meeting of Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. Residents, you know, went to the city council demanding immediate action. Hi, I'm Kristen Muller, and we've had three cats killed in the past two months outside of our house. It was very emotional to hear them. I just can't understand why dogs have to be licensed on on a leash, but something as horrible as a coyote can run the streets freely and kill the residents' beloved animals. One woman, for example, was talking about losing her cat milkshake to a coyote that she saw ambush her cat. She was ambushed and killed from behind at 3.46 a.m. just after leaving our driveway five minutes earlier. She saw it in a security video camera footage. You can't stop these horrific coyotes. They remember when to come back and they keep coming back every single night until they eventually catch their prey. There was another woman who told of losing a cat to a coyote that she treated like a relative. I don't really know how to do this, hi. She said she was going to take a vacation with it to Hawaii until the coyote got it. We talked all day. I always had my best friend to talk to instead of just myself, which was great. And um, I loved her to death more than life itself. I have two cats. I get it. What was the tension like at that city council meeting? It was very tense. It was very tense in part because also at that meeting were dozens of a new movement called Evict Coyotes that wants to get rid of coyotes altogether. So the elected officials were seeing these followers wear red shirts 
with Evic Coyote stenciled on the front in prison font in big white letters. And they were confused because prior to June, they had been getting their advice from animal rights advocates. But now the room was filled with people demanding the eradication of coyotes. And what is evict coyotes anyways? Like, where exactly did this group even come from? Evict coyotes emerged in 2018 when Aurelio Matucci, a local realtor, began using growing concerns about coyote sightings in his city, Torrance, when he was running for election for a seat on the Torrance City Council. Hello, my name is Aurelio Matucci. My family and I originally moved to Torrance in It became surprisingly effective. People wanted to know more about these sightings and the potential danger, the risks. I have three main concerns, public safety, cleanliness, and fiscal responsibility. There were also some attacks. And so uh, it was a, a remarkable and new <laughs> a campaign message that started to spread like wildfire. For a cleaner and safer Torrance, vote Aurelio Matucci on June 5th. Thank you. It helped him win a seat on the city council. And then he then went even beyond that to shepherd a measure that made Torrance one of the only cities in California that is, you know, removing one coyote a week by trapping and lethal injection with a year-round coyote uh, extermination campaign. Are coyotes that much of a threat? Like, how many people have coyotes actually injured or killed? Statistics show that they can be dangerous. 69 people, at least, have been bitten or attacked in L.A. County alone since 2012. Most of those attacks, incidentally, or many of them, 20%, occurred in the vicinity of Dodger Stadium at Elysian Park. But it's actually gone beyond the statistics. These people are not in the mood for compromise. It doesn't matter. Their motto is, coyotes may have been here first, but we're here now. Huh. Is this a uniquely Southern California problem? It is not. There are coyote issues erupting at city councils in Seattle, in Chicago, from one end of the continent to the other, and partly driven by video footage of coyotes by the dozens marching into downtown Chicago. When people leave, head home for work, the coyotes take over. <laughs> <laughs> and just how many coyotes are we talking about? There are actually more coyotes today in California and the rest of the country than there ever were more than 200 years ago. And that's largely because with the sprawl of our cities has come garbage, which brings coyotes, which are exploding in population exponentially. The exact size of LA's coyote population remains a mystery, but the California Department of Fish and Wildlife estimates there are about 250,000 to 750,000 coyotes statewide. We'll be right back. So 
So, Lewis, when we're talking about coyotes in the American West, what exactly are we talking about? Like, what's its natural but also cultural history? So, in the 1800s, ranchers responded to the killing of sheep and cattle by wiping out all the gray wolves in America from one end of the continent to the other. Coyotes, however, actually expanded in numbers, although they too were the targets of eradication campaigns. But look what happened. Coyotes evolved with wolves. And so they evolved with this hyper alert sense of avoiding the predators in their world, which were wolves, but also needing to find prey to sustain themselves. When the wolves were gone, the coyotes were left with this hyper alert kind of sensibility. So coyotes have adapted to big city life. These coyotes are not like the ones out in the wilderness. These coyotes were born and raised in cities. They're used to sirens. They live in freeway underpasses. They live in flood control channels. They visit almost every single park and school in Southern California every night. You don't see them, but they're out there. They're ubiquitous. And people are befuddled. They're worried. They're scared when coyotes don't behave like the ones they see on television and nature programs. There is a straight up coyote stuck in my property. Coyotes are becoming so adapted to urban life that they're even reading traffic lights now. And that's been confirmed in video footage where they stop on the red, wait for the green and then cross the street. (laughs) And people wonder, you know, how long before a coyote butts in line, you know, at a Starbucks. So as the American West got modernized with development, how did previous generations try to deal with coyotes, especially as Southern California became more suburbanized? Well, it's interesting because coyotes have been ubiquitous in urban settings since they really started exploding after World War II, particularly in Southern California. However, they are so secretive and so so cryptic in their nature that people really hadn't given them too much of a concern until the advent, it looks like, of social media platforms, where then people would hear from a neighbor, oh my God, have you heard about these scary, terrifying animals? And then Next thing you know, the person they said that to sees one. Next thing you know, that person is telling their neighbors that there's an invasion. It's magnified, do you see, on social media. It's changed everything and made it political. So we heard earlier from groups like Evic Coyotes and uh, residents who just want to destroy them all. But do urban coyotes have any defenders? Urban coyotes do have Defenders. Today, I'm here to talk to you about keeping your pets safe from coyotes. Until the advent of Bivik coyotes, they were formidable groups. They were influencers. They include the Humane Society. They include PETA. They include Project Coyote. Coyote attacks on humans are extremely rare. As a reference point, over 3 million children, 5 years old and under, are bitten by dogs every year. Those groups and others control the narrative. 
always react by facing the coyote and being big and loud. And they advocated, for example, coexistence with non-lethal hazing techniques like banging pots and pans if you see one behaving in a threatening manner or chasing your cat or dog and screaming expletives, for example. Huh. Working together, we can provide a safer environment for our pets and families. That those groups then have been suddenly caught off guard by Vic Coyotes. This is an uncompromising group. They don't want to hear about these techniques. And so those defenders, they are now scrambling for a new message that they can use with policymakers because Vic Coyotes has turned the tables on them, has taken over the narrative. Yeah, and Vic Coyote seems to have actual political power behind it, as opposed to the defenders of urban coyotes, which are mostly nonprofits or, you know, appealing to someone's sense of, oh, nature's wonderful, leave it alone. Yes, that's exactly right. And so up until recently, these animal advocates would promote ideas that included, for example, if you're picnicking with your children, and you see a coyote relaxing in the shadow of a tree a few feet away, don't worry. It doesn't mean any harm. But evict coyote folks, you know, know better. They're big city coyotes, but they're still wild animals. So in city council meetings, again, I return to them because now you see one wildlife coyote advocate, they're waiting for his or her turn at the podium on a given issue involving coyotes in a room filled with evict coyotes members wearing those bright red shirts. Now, if you're a policymaker, you're seeing what appears to be way more constituents, voters, right, wearing red shirts and that one animal advocate in the front row waiting for his or her turn at the podium. It looks like you need to pay attention to those red shirts because there are way more of them. What has happened is that coyotes have entered the political arena for the first time. And that makes it, you know, a completely different situation and a more difficult burden for elected officials and policymakers. We'll be right back. So, Lewis, what's the latest then with Manhattan Beach and its coyotes? We are live again, folks. Settle in for the fun. All right. That brings us back to uh, our agenda. We are on item eight, update on coyote management actions and activities. What Manhattan Beach decided to do ultimately was give its existing more or less coexistence policy another six months. I would like a report from the trapper about what he or she does, how they do it, what our population is, what they recommend. Um, or And if they come back and say, exterminate the local population, I want to know that because we will get pushback. Seeing more and more cities paying attention to it. That's the motion. Is there a second? Customer concern seconds that. Roll call vote, please. So, okay, let's say the Vic Coyote movement becomes triumphant. There's a full coyote eradication program uh, spreading all across the country. What would happen if we do eliminate coyotes in suburbia altogether? That's a really interesting question because the former 
narrative was that, oh my, you don't want to eliminate the apex predator in a food chain. It will disrupt the rhythms of life. Okay, that is true in a wilderness setting. But in a city, when you're dealing with animals, coyotes, that were born and raised downtown, <laughs> what does balance in nature even mean? And so if they were eliminated altogether, on one hand, there probably wouldn't be much of a difference. On the other hand, if you captured big city coyotes and you released them in the wilds, they probably wouldn't survive. They wouldn't know how. But is it even possible, Lewis, to eliminate all of L.A.'s coyotes? The science is not yet fully established. And so this has enabled both sides to develop, you know, arguments and campaigns by the seat of their pants. So unfortunately, the lack of uh, full understanding is fueling confusion and warring parties. Finally, Lewis, I do feel like you, for the people who have lost their pets to coyotes, my wife and I, we have two small dogs, Hook and Cosmo, and we'd be heartbroken if a coyote got them. But at the same time, how can I hate a coyote for acting like a coyote? You know, like, how can we actually learn to coexist with them? <laughs> exactly. Coyotes behave like coyotes. You don't have to be an evict coyotes member to want the same kind of security and safety when you're out with your dog at Griffith Park that you feel in your house, in your living room, when all the windows are locked and the doors are shut. So people are shocked when a coyote comes out. I heard a story recently. Someone said, oh my God, Lewis, my dog was bitten by a coyote. It had a hunchback, this person said in a really distraught, almost panicked. It had a hunchback. It was particularly ugly and vicious. Well, guess what? Coyotes hunts their back when they're scared or when they get angry. So it wasn't a monstrous, demonic coyote. It was a coyote behaving like a coyote. Beyond all of that, that area was posted. Keep your dog on a leash. That person's dog was not on a leash, but they were angry. Lewis, thank you so much for this conversation. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Times, Essential News from the LA Times. Shannon Lynn, David Toledo, and Kasha Brasalian were the jefes on this episode, and Mike Heflin mixed and mastered it. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Madeline Amato. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera, Shawnee Hilton, and Hibble Urbani, and our theme music is by Andrew Eaton. And hey, we're building a Dia de los Muertos audio altar this year, and we'd like to hear your stories. Call 619-800-0717, 619-800-0717, and leave us a voicemail with your own ofrendas. Tell us who you are, where you live, and give us a great anecdote about a family member, a friend, someone uh, that you love that has gone on with the ancestors. Think of it as a communal digital altar, and we're going to air those stories in an episode closer to Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. 
Thanks in advance. And again, the number is 619-800-0717. We'll be back Monday with all the news in this matter. Gracias.